0: Welcome to the Neighbour Food Podcast. This week we are on a need-to-know basis because we are chatting to three different micro-bakers around Ireland who bake real bread using only flour, water and salt for their local customers in their own community. And these are the three stories of three very different solopreneurs who have joined us to talk about their experience with starting and growing their individual businesses. Now this could be from their kitchen counter to repurpose studios out in their back garden. And we talk about the network of micro bakers, not only in Ireland, but also around the world who support, encourage, mentor and indeed inspire each other to keep going. And of course, we talk about the importance of real bread from a health perspective and the simplicity of the ingredients in making a wholesome and nutritious loaf. But let's allow our guests to introduce themselves because we've got a lot of voices on the show today. So let's go.
1: Uh, my, my name is Angela Nödlinds and I'm German originally and I've been living in Ireland 25 years and I've been baking for all that time, baking sourdough but just for myself and a year and a half ago I heard about this fantastic oven for the first time and decided then to give this micro bakery a go to sell, start selling sourdough. So my business is called Rise and Shine and I'm all about rye because um, as, Germans, as a German I like, re- I like rye breads for lots of reasons. And it's just a little niche as well. Um, so I make mostly rye breads, but also other breads and German treats as well.
0: And where is and then, Rise and Shine Bakery?
1: Yeah, I'm in Cork, so I'm working from home. The bakery itself is in my house, in my kitchen, which is just an ordinary-sized Irish house, small even. Um, and I have two selling, well, three selling points. One is from my porch, where customers collect from the porch, and one is at Henchy's Pub in St. Luke's and the other one now, just since last week, is the Kool K Market. It's very exciting.
2: Uh, I'm Gronya originally from Dublin, um, but living in Baltinglass in Wicklow for nearly 16, 17 years now. Um, I started making sourdough about four and a half years ago. And I've been selling pretty much four and a half years ago into the local butchers here in town, Paterson's. And it just everything kind of grew organically from there. It still feels very new. I, I you know, I was in the house for so long. I, I, I just can't, I'm looking at the kitchen now. I can't believe I produced what I produced in my small kitchen. But I have a purpose-built cabin now out in the back garden. So uh, that is, that still feels very new to me. Like that, that only really kind of came to fruition in September. So. Class. And what's yeah. to
0: your micro bakery again?
2: Gras around. So oh, grogna for me, or Love Bread, basically.
0: Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. And Thank last you. but not least.
3: Okay, will I go next? Go for it. Um, I'm Laura O'Donovan. I'm originally from Cork, but moved to Connemara about 25 years ago. Um, I set up my little micro bakery about going on two years, nearly between a year and a half to two years ago, in Renville in Connemara. And the name of it is
0: Sodo. Sodo, how do you spell that?
3: S-O-D-O-H.
0: So you're out out in Connemara near Clifton. And you're supplying the neighbour food in Clifton, aren't you?
3: I am, exactly. So um, on a Thursday, I supply neighbour food Clifton. And on a Friday, I have a little stall in Letterfrack Village. And along with, there's a guy there selling fish. So we call it Loaves and Fishes. Um, (laughs) Very good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that works really well
0: actually, yeah. Now I'm going to interrupt this little part here as we got in touch with Alice Coyle who is the host at Neighbour Food in Clifton in Connemara and we asked her about the impact Laura and her bakery Sodo has had on the food community in Connemara. Here's Alice to tell us a little bit more.
4: I think I think bread is like, uh, for in terms of food, it's like, elemental you know it's or for a community it's 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 like earth wind fire bread (laughs) um so to have found laura early days uh with neighbor food was like one of the driving forces behind actually setting up neighbor food um she got the idea straight away she was like yeah love it love the idea getting straight to customers um she so she she really encouraged me and she committed early on so uh that was one of the things that i i kind of felt well this is incredible to be able to offer this so that was kind of one of the main things with neighborhood and she's remains one of the main driving forces behind it um and also uh i just think we're we're so privileged to have that person who has that creative energy and drive to make bread, uh, like that every week. And, um, you know, we have, we've other suppliers of bread in the area, but, uh, it's, it's Laura really, I think, um, who's really interesting because she, she's actually had many lives and, uh, all of them have been really creative. And I think that you'll see that in many micro bakeries, that the person behind it is incredibly creative and has such energy and that goes into the food that goes into the bread and that's what we eat so i think that's that's brilliant
0: now so i think alice really hit that nail on the head there with the importance of bread makers and the vibrancy their work brings to our tables and our lives so let's go back and find out a little bit more about these bakers and shakers we're chatting to today
5: can i actually ask you so let's start maybe by asking a question about that because if i'm right angela and laura you're both still working from your home kitchens
3: Yes. No. No, Laura,
5: you've moved out as well.
3: Well, um, yeah, so I started off in my home kitchen, but I used to have a picture framing business years ago. Um, so I had a separate building for that. Um, so I converted that into a kitchen, um, about a year and a half ago. Um, so that's where I'm working from now.
5: Okay. Well then maybe Angela, so would you you be able to give us a little bit of a rundown on what life is like having, um, a micro bakery running a business from your home kitchen.
1: Yeah, sure. And it's Angela, by the way, like like Angela, excuse me. <laughs> okay.
5: <laughs> Sorry, Angela. Give us oh, no give problem. us a little bit of a rundown of the of running a small business, especially a bakery from home.
1: Yeah. I started when I initially started and I didn't have any idea where this was going to go. I started with my very small, very bad oven. It's just 50 centimeters big, wide, and um I lovingly now call it shitty oven. So I started with that, and it was just incredible. I had to work against the fan, and uh, the element often broke, and I could never predict when it's gonna break. It was horrendous. But then, since I got the this Belgium oven called Rofko, it can bake. I can bake twelve loaves at a time in it. Wow. So um, that's fantastic. That's been a game changer, and the loaves turn out so much better. It's a stone oven. Um, so the the normal day is like the normal bake day for me starts on a Monday night if I sell on a Wednesday the day starts on a the bake days really starts on a Monday night where I start my starters my sourdough starters I have to mix the the right amount of flour and water and for the batch that or batches that I'm going to bake on the Tuesday or Wednesday Um, and so that's usually on a Monday evening then on a Tuesday I have a very long day usually 12 14 sometimes longer hours Um, of mixing the batches, of folding the dough, of um, shaping the dough, dividing the dough, shaping the dough, and and everything amazingly happens, I'd say it's about four meters wide, my kitchen maybe, uh, four meters maybe, and two meters deep, maybe a meter and a half deep, that's the only space I use in the kitchen really, and trips to the top, But it all happens alongside one wall where the oven is and a big long oak worktop. And then all my bannettons where the bread proves in and the the pans, the tins are all stacked kind of on that wall. So all I do is move along that wall shaping and mixing. I have a big mixer as well, a commercial mixer. So all these things obviously help. Um, But yeah, it took me a while to get into the hang of it. But uh, it's it's pretty good workflow at this point. it's incredible, like what Gronja was saying. What you can actually produce in a small kitchen like this, mm. like on, I think on the mo- on the biggest day, I would have produced 100 loaves oh in one day, and you know they're all stacked up on the shelves. Everything just happens in this one clear area, and the HSE as well, of course, came to inspect the house because um, you know if you run a business, a food business, they they come out to you and um, inspect it and yeah. make sure that all the hygiene is in order and all this. So um, that's all really important to all of us.
0: Um, that must take so- a lot of organization to, to make so many loaves in such a small space. And is this the same space then where you cook your dinner in, in the evening?
1: Yeah, on the other side. <laughs> where should you?
5: <the> <laughs> on the other <laughs> wing <laughs> of the kitchen. Fair Julie. play, Angela. <laughs> I am impressed.
1: <laughs> German organization
0: at its best. Yeah.
1: I yeah, you know, sometimes I'm very happy uh, that I'm German with the organizational talents and all this, but. The, the, the quality of my dinners has gone quite downhill over the last year and a half <laughs> <laughs> Don't expect it. it's bread bread and bread and maybe
5: and maybe along the same line Gráin, you might you might explain to us the transition then from starting off you started at home you were saying you yeah. started at home supplying into the butcher. Is it? Can you talk yeah. about maybe then the transition from that decision to go from home into whatever you did next, or maybe it's where you are now? Could you maybe explain that moment? Uh, the transition from the kitchen to the cabin yeah. kind of thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, the volume quickly grew, um, and and like Angela, I have the same oven as Angela, I have the Roscoe. Um, I was using my own domestic oven and. It just uh, I I ran out of space in the house, to be honest, I had taken over not only the kitchen, but I'd taken over the playroom as well.
0: Oh, my God. I had
2: all the the larger equipment in the playroom and a, a massive mixer permanently on the kitchen floor. So and the playroom was for storage for flour, a big double fridge the oven, the rack, all my bannetons, all my tubs, everything. So I was in and out of the kitchen from play playroom, playroom to kitchen and back and forth. Did all the kind of the messy work, as I would call it, like the, the mixing and the shaping and all that in the kitchen. So I was carrying dough from one room to the next. Oh so it was, it was it was getting tricky and we just needed, the kids were getting bigger and we just needed to reclaim that space. So, I, I had to just make the decision and invest in more space. I, I didn't have a, a shed or a garage or anything that I could convert. So, the quickest, simplest route for us was to get a, a cabin. So, I went to my cabin, Ie out in Blessington, which is not too far from here. And that was a six month lead time for the cabin itself so that was a tedious wait you know because I I, in my head I needed to be out of the house yesterday at that stage so I was pretty much reaching breaking point um so then the the cabin finally arrived and of course you need a few weeks to turn it around and kit it out and then the HSC have to come out and approve it as well so it all took, I, I'd say we, we did well. I think we got it turned around in pretty much three weeks. And she allowed me to move the oven out before I had anything else in it, just so I could actually physically bake. So I moved the oven and the fridge uh, out. So that was great. So that kind of I suppose that was the start of the the move really was just and it just for me it was just better to get the heat out of the oven out of the house as well. Um, like because the, the oven creates a lot of heat and steam and all that as well. Um, so, um yeah, so I, it it took a little bit longer than I expected to kind of settle in to to the workflow and the 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 of the cabin really like
5: just took when when was this growing you in in uh, your September. four and a half years, oh, just this uh, September gone, oh,
2: just September, yeah, ah, yes. okay, so
5: you're still fresh in the new cabin, so, and how do yeah, you how seems... do you find it?
2: feels new and there's like I'm pretty much settled now but like I, d- I did a bit of rejig there after Christmas just moving stuff around and yeah, but I think things are as they are now like you know I can't I can't exactly kind of change it now the, the oven's wired up the where it is that's it's to stay like to you know so um yeah so I I, I kind of moved I probably should have taken a week off to just kind of help transition easier but I just I, I didn't I didn't take a day off production or a week off production I just literally went from one space to the other hit the ground running and then you were into silly season then coming into Christmas and a couple of markets as well so I really tested the space but on a couple couple of double day productions like for my usual um production for deliveries and then production for um markets as well so all in the one day so that really tested the space um but it, it's uh it's it's working great like i've a re- i'm really lucky i think i take about 10 steps to my workplace which is, oh, which is nice the for most people like yeah, yeah it's great. not much
5: traffic so no and absolutely um...
2: none at all and i have a lovely view as well of a hill and the garden and all <laughs> that so it's great to know so and it's lovely to have it out
5: of the house Laura could you give us your you mentioned you were a framer before was it
3: well my background um is like I'm an artist um, that's that's what I did in college um practicing artist for 20 25 years whatever um and yeah so my whole thing was um covid hit and i um i, I kind of lost my job so I started baking like half the country and um, just became a bit obsessed with sourdough. Um, so started making um loaves and kind of gifting loaves and became a real obsession. Um, but um like my kitchen was full, and I decided I was struggling with, with my oven, and somebody had a cuisine de France, um small cuisine de France oven up for sale locally. So I bought that. Um, I moved it into my old framing workshop um, and tweaked it by putting in some pizza stones and stuff, and realised I could make six loaves at a time in it. So that was really the start of it. Then we decided to to turn the that space into a kitchen. So we did it like as cheaply as possible. Kind of did it all ourselves, and um, and that was my kind of slow build up. Um, then I realized I needed to make more than six loaves at a time, really. And like the girls, um, invested in a Rothko oven.
5: So Okay, so everyone here is the same oven. We have. Yeah. Is that by accident okay. yeah. or design? No, there pretty much most micro
2: bakeries would yeah. go for the Rothko. Yeah. Really there aren't too many on Domestic yeah. electric.
5: Okay. Uh, yeah. And I'm always kind of fascinated by numbers and stuff. And I'll tell you a little bit in a while. But I heard 12 loaves per batch. Uh-huh. Was it you, Angela, that said 12 loaves yeah, per batch?
1: Uh, I- There's one recipe that I make where it's it's round loaves and you can fit a a fifth one on each deck.
5: Okay, so this oven is basically perfect for kind of reaching the maximum capacity of one person baking.
1: Yeah, kind of from home. Yeah, a lot of people. Some home bakers have two rough books, or three or four.
5: <laughs> ah, okay, I understand. And and do you have a definition for a micro bakery? Any of you?
1: I suppose a lot would be a small scale from home for a lot of us. That's what because within we are all members of Real Bread Island and yeah. the network of bakers, suppliers, and growers. And um, Keith Bohanna, who's absolutely amazing, um, kind of runs the WhatsApp group. We're all in one WhatsApp group. There's some really big bakers and a lot of smaller bakers. And within this network, we have a subgroup for micro bakers. So there's it's it's not only women, but I think mainly women. Would I be right, Gloria and Laura? Yeah, it
3: just, yeah. Seems to be. yeah, there's a couple of men, but mainly women, yeah.
1: For me, micro baking, it's about, we were, Laura and I were talking earlier, it's about juggling things as well. While you're baking, you're also juggling bringing the kids to school or making the dinners or, you know, there's always mm. other stuff to do yeah um, when you're working from home I don't know what I call a micro bakery a micro bakery if it wasn't from home I don't know
0: <laughs> a micro bakery I suppose it's it's a tiny tiny bakery no matter where it is whether it's in your kitchen yes. or your shed isn't it and it seems to be a lot of solo uh solopreneurs and women which is actually quite interesting so I would like to get back to that as to why you think um that is setting up from home and going from this idea on your kitchen counter and your kitchen table to um, to a shed like what do each of you think has been the best and most invaluable support to bring you along that journey whether it was the support from family or friends or funding or the lady in the HSE who said move the oven to to the shed or the local enterprise office what has been your um, most invaluable uh, assistance along the way? I, I suppose I
2: like because it's in the house, you need to kind of like I, I've i a pretty supportive husband mm. and I probably won't <laughs> be able to do what I'm doing without him, I suppose. Yeah. And, and like he does all the heavy lifting and he did a lot of the setting up of the cabin and all that. Like so that for me was my number one support. But yeah. a big turning point for me was joining the real bread Ireland I I was yeah. probably selling for a long time and producing I was probably producing the sourdough a long time before I even discovered Rail bread Ireland and then when I discovered that I took me a while to pluck up the courage to join but that whatsapp group is an amazing resource for information and like any one of the bakers like you just have to put the word out if you're stuck and um, they all just come back with yeah like like immediate response of suggestions or help and i find joe down and rye is is brilliant as well i went down to him last february and just like i i, I had issues with temperature dropping in the uh, room temperature dropping in the cabin so i like that completely threw me i was expecting a drop but not as big a drop mm. of room temperature so that, that that affected everything like flower temperature Mm. everything was affected and impacted and production definitely slowed down for a while until I got my head around that but Joe was a big support mm. there and just pure like one quick text on Instagram or whatever and just an amazing it's just just great to have that resource at your fingertips it's brilliant, brilliant. you know and I, I do feel like Instagram
3: has a lovely kind of community of papers as well you know so um, and Real Bread Ireland Hundred percent. Like um, they would have been my biggest inspiration, really, on building the business. And um, there's like a few people. There's there's one guy. Um, he's called Joe the Baker. And like mm-hmm. I put up a me- like, there was one morning my oven shut down at half five in the morning. Um, I had twelve loaves in the oven, all pre-ordered. Um, mm-hmm. and like, what do you do? Yeah, put up a, a message, and within two minutes he had the solution there for me um which is just unreal really to have that support like what are you going to do at half five in the morning otherwise and lose your all your loads and so real bread ireland has been unbelievably supportive really and that little micro group that we have the micro bakery group is is great really Mm. you know just if there are questions that you kind of feel oh this is a bit kind of mm," Mm. you know throwing it into the big guys It's great that we can just, you know, between ourselves, throw it in and there's always somebody there to answer or help out. Yeah, it's interesting that we've
0: had a common theme among small producers um, that we've talked a a lot with over in this podcast. The support within the network of people that are doing the same thing is Mm -hmm. phenomenal. It's a bit of a case of like a rising tide is going to lift all boats. And there is that network and community and it's really lovely and empowering to see. And it's really encouraging for people as well. To, to start a business and go on that difficult journey. Yeah. If I remember well about your story, Angela, you got your micro bakery off the ground, or it was actually the, the oven through a Kickstarter campaign, wasn't it?
1: Yes, it, it exactly. I started to sell from porch from the porch, and then customers that came back weekly, um, they were already very happy to fund the, um, to help fund the Rothko oven through the Kickstarter, which was amazing, yeah. Mm. Amazing. So, I, so I think we all are. But I was just thinking as well, maybe just to say to listeners what real bread island is about, because we mentioned them a few times. Mm. Group that we're all a member of. It's we, we campaign for real bread. Real bread meaning flour, water, salt, without the additives and kruvers, without conserv- uh, preservatives. So um, it's proper bread, the way bread should be, because the bread culture, even in Germany, has gone really, really badly downhill. Mm. So a lot of, I mean, most pre-packaged bread um, check the ingredients, and uh, there's plenty more in there (laughs) than in flour, water, and salt. That doesn't belong in food, that shouldn't be in bread. And um, we all bake bread the proper way, um, slowly fermented, which helps to break down some of the harder to digest gluten structures and proteins um, and makes it a lot easier for people to digest so I think we all have a lot of customers who keep coming back who say I can enjoy bread again you know whereas before I was floating I had pains Mm. Um, so that's really exciting and that's what the group is about and that's how we support each other you know in in following this campaign to bring real bread back in Germany it's gone downhill like there was real bread when I was a child and it's not real anymore it's all with lots of additives and so on this little bakery starting again like like our micro bakeries here and bigger ones but that's a um, thing of the more recent years again.
0: That was a lovely answer Angela and actually really uh, really cool to to realize what is real bread because a lot of mm-hmm. people you know they just don't know and it's not through any fault of their own but they just assume that bread is is lifespan.
1: And a lot of customers actually themselves say, I mean, I think I speak for the three of us that I can't believe that when people, I'm so thankful for people to buy my bread and Mm. then they buy it, they're really happy. And then a lot of them actually text me back or text me photos of their children eating my bread. Or, you know, it's so lovely to hear how, like for a year and a half now, there's some families who've just eaten the bread I've produced. I'm a feeder, I love doing that. But it's so, with that, I guess, comes responsibility as well, that we deliver good nutrition. Mm-hmm. If this is the only bread that some families eat, then it has to be good bread. Mm-hmm. Um, but to actually hear that children like this bread, like I've got one bread, which is 100% uh, whole, whole meal, it's mostly rye and with lots of seeds and kids love this bread. And it's fantastic, you know, because, you know, they're getting something good into the systems. Um, but then... I think it's so lovely as well to get the feedback constantly from, cos- from customers. Mm. You know, that nourishes us. We were saying that earlier, Nora and myself. It's so nice to be at the stall and get all this positive feedback. That keeps us going because mm. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard labor.
0: So we touched on it there earlier. Like, why do you think there are so many women in particular that have set up their own solopreneur business in this micro bakery space. And what do you think that women in particular are going to bring to the table in terms of shaping the future of this industry?
2: Well for me it 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 works with the family and family life and, and I think that's really important. I, I can do both without having to go to the expense of childcare and that kind of thing. Like I could <clears throat> I used to bring my my youngest on deliveries with me, you know, and she'd be in the kitchen pottering around while I was producing, you know, yeah. like so that that was really really important to me, like that it, you know, I you know I gave up my office job and I I started doing this and I I it, it just it just worked and it 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 always has to work for me around family life mm-hmm. and I've 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 made it. Work around family life, you know. So like, mm-hmm. you can have your dough sitting in tubs while you're getting the breakfast, or I can still pop out, have dough on the go, and pop out and do a school run. So for me, that that was that that's really important. Like,
1: um, I enjoy working from home now. I worked as an art therapist in uh, an acute mental health unit for twenty one years, and I'm still doing that a little bit. So I had to be at my desk at eight o'clock every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, whether the kids were sick or small or whatnot, Um, and I really enjoy just being at home now. Um, And I think, like when I was listening to the others, I think this is, this goes both for male and female bakers, that we all really enjoy the community aspect of it. Mm. For me, it's about the simplicity of what we do, flour, water, salt, let it ferment, do it at home. So it's, it, it makes it brings you back to the basics of life. It brings me back to my to life's basics really. Mm. And yet it connects me with the community. I know Mayfield now. I know people in Mayfield better than I've ever <laughs> known. I'm here, I'm living here 20 years, and it's now that everyone calls across the street like, What are you baking tomorrow? Or you know, are you finished baking yet? How were the loaves today? So it's 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 really connected me connected me with my community, but I and I think that goes both. For male and female bakers in the network, that we really enjoy that aspect, and I think there's a trend of that for that to come back. You know that people want to learn things from scratch again. They want to learn to do things properly again, to cook from scratch, to grow their veg, to bake bread properly, to to be part of their community. You know, there's community gardens and so on and so forth. So, I think that's really exciting, Mm. and that's both for male and female. I don't think there's a difference. Okay.
5: I love that micro bakeries can exist with one person baking bread for their community. Can we talk a small little bit about the economics without asking your personal business, but do all of you work individually or do you have people who are baking with you? I imagine yeah, no, someone I'm, helps I'm, with deliveries. I'm solo anyway. Um, yeah. 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 yeah so I we're all solo. I
3: think we're all solo, yeah.
5: And, and can I just ask, is, is your bakery the way it is now sustainable? Or like, do you kind of plan on going a little bit further? Or is there another change you need to make? Or, or where you are now is where you want to go with it? Maybe I'll ask, um, Angela, I'll ask you first.
1: Uh, I'd like to keep it as much as possible as it is now. Um, I'm the age that I am as well. I really don't. For a while, I was thinking of having some kind of an outlet from which to sell the bread. Uh, on a daily basis but uh, then I would have to employ someone to sell it I'd have to you know do the li- deliveries and all this so then it becomes complicated I'd like to keep it very simple and manageable and the downside is if I get sick and I can't bake but I'd like to keep it in my kitchen as well not even take a shit um, so I'd like to keep it this way for the next
5: 15-20 years. And Laura?
3: Yeah I, I'm the same and um, I suppose I'm kind of at the stage like I, I'm very busy and people, like I, people have said, you know, would you not consider taking somebody on to help you out? Because some of the days are really, really long days. Um, But I'm just happy doing it by myself and happy to stay the level that I'm at. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm not going to. Well, I don't intend on changing it. Yeah, pretty much the
2: same here as well. It's, you know, it, it just overcomplicates things mm. if you're considering hiring someone. But... It is busy, but I think I'm happy enough to to stay where I'm at.
0: Do you know? I I think small is beautiful, and it's very empowering to be able to do a whole business and run it successfully um, as a one person band. And yeah, I my hats off to you. Um, it's hard work. It's tough. When you're busy, you're so busy. Yeah. <laughs> and I know yeah, that it's such long days. As, I, as I'm a, a kind of a creative freelancer, um, it does certainly have peaks and troughs in that. But um, I think small is beautiful. So well done. But
5: is it just an amazing economic kind of parable? Because nobody who who runs a small business talks about how they're happy to have it exactly where it is. Like, this was the goal. This is the target. This is where it is. And I'm super happy. Everyone always feels like they just need to mm. go that little bit further just so I can hire that one person. Then I'll be able to do this. And then, and it's that yeah. kind of a, like, I don't want to start saying like capitalist and getting into yeah. a political rant, but it's that idea of like, you have to grow to a certain level to become sustainable. So Jack, and they are
0: telling you that. I mean, it's... No,
5: but, no, 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 mm. but it is. It completely is. But it's in everything. But it seems to be very common among people who set up micro bakeries, that they view it in a different way. There's something, there's a a sauce, a magic sauce within that model that seems to either attract people who would like that as a profession or just works, you know?
1: Yeah, Yeah. too, actually, a customer, uh, it reminds me of what a customer, uh, a friend of mine said to me when I was thinking of maybe getting bigger. He said there's some kind of a parable, I posted it in the WhatsApp group as well, that we have, it's about um, a guy who's fishing in a local village and he's happy fishing and he makes, he sells his whatever, 10 fish at the e- in the evening and then has time to sit in the bar with his friends and enjoy a nice meal. And um, then someone comes along, a businessman, and says, well, wouldn't you get a bigger boat so you can fish more fish? And then, you know, expand and getting bigger and bigger with the business. And so that at the end, you have enough money to have to employ people and you don't have to work at all and imagine what you could do with your free time and the guy said well all I want to do is fishing yeah so I think that's where we are all at we really love the process we really I don't want to employ someone else to bake the loaves for me
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know I want to bake so I want to stay in touch with the process and it's nearly sometimes when it goes well it is nearly like free time it's not when
5: you love your job you never <laughs> work a day in your life it's, it's yeah <laughs>
1: your toes it's different every time things can go wrong all the time yeah so we you really have to focus on it so that's one thing the other thing i was going to say um jack and Jolene as well is uh, for people to really look up the real bread island back page mm-hmm. to check for a local micro bakery in their area mm-hmm. because are so many little micro bakeries you might have never heard about it could be a neighbor you know in the in your estate selling selling loaves and you never heard about them because it's just so small and so quietly done so check out the real bread island webpage and look look for your area and find your local baker
0: yeah absolutely super point there angela and what we'll do is we'll link in uh, real bread ireland and anything else that we're talking about in this episode into the show notes so if somebody's curious just check that out after So talking about the Irish, uh, I suppose, micro bakery and real bread kind of scene in Ireland is one thing. What about on an international scale? And I guess like the world is so much closer now with social media and seeing how other bakeries are, are operating um, through Instagram. How do you think that has um, influenced your own work and um, what do you think we could learn and how do they compare? Laura, do you want to tell us about that?
3: Yeah, um like I wasn't on Instagram um before I started baking um and suddenly it's it's a huge huge part of my my selling really and um, like most of my sales are done through through Instagram really. Um like yeah, so I like I put up a post on like I put up a post this morning um for sales on Friday. Um take all my sales that way. Um but like all my feed, like it's all um, it's all sourdough related, mm. um, and you definitely learn from a lot of the the international bakers. You know what's kind of in at the minute and little video clips and whatnot. Um, but yeah, Instagram is, is is huge, really huge for me.
1: Um, but like Laura, I've learned so much from seeing other people's photos and videos, and it's been really nice to connect to other people. I came across all of these, this micro bakery world through the sourdough podcast, an American podcast, so I would have listened to a lot of American micro bakers' stories on that podcast. It's a fantastic podcast, so how, you know, and you learn from every story that you hear, how people do uh, this little bit or that little bit, and then being German, I'm also connected to the German bakers community, really like real bread uh, in Germany. Um, so that's exciting, and I never realized how easy it is to get in contact with people through Instagram. You know, they they all contact you back, and it's it's such a supportive network. We change, we exchange recipes and tips, and um, it's really really helpful.
0: Ronnie, would you say you've had a similar experience as Wicklow being put on the world stage through the power of social media?
2: Yeah, Instagram would have been like a massive resource for me as well, and it's where I first spotted the Rothko as well. Okay. Yeah so you do pick up little tips and ways to do things on Instagram and and again the network like I've connected with Australian bakers as well just back and forth like it is it's it just makes the world so small really like it's just.
0: And these um, micro bakers that you're following in um, Australia or Germany are they doing things very different to what we're doing here?
2: Really like I've seen one girl who converted a shed and you know I, I don't see a massive difference I think I think the Americans call micro bakeries like our home bakers like a uh, cottage bakery industry okay so it's just that's just their phrase for basically what we're doing you know mm. but I, in, I don't I don't see a massive difference
1: Just saying in Germany there's one big difference and we're very lucky here in this way because that's why I never thought I could ever sell sourdough because in Germany uh, the law Uh, only allows you to sell a single loaf once you've done the whole three year apprenticeship to become a baker plus I think a year or two year to become a master baker and only at that point can you sell a single loaf you're not allowed by law to sell a loaf before Um, Mm, that's weird there's a movement now because it was such a protected product but the quality has gone downhill so much so there's a movement now of especially uh, Lutz Geisler the sourdough baker Uh, he has a podcast as well in Germany and he brought out loads of books. Uh, there's the movement now to um, allow people who come into sourdough baking or uh, baking from the side, like the three of us, um, to, allow, to, to, you know, to allow them to sell their product because his theory is that the actual training actually now these days teaches you how to use machines that produce bread. It doesn't actually teach you how to do sourdough even properly anymore. Whereas if someone like us leaves their old job I had a great paying job but leaves their own job and then comes into baking from the side they're bound to do it properly then bound not to be doing it for profit because it's such hard work You know it's really hard earned money you are not going into it to make a cheap thousand uh, euro or so <laughs> um so i we're very lucky in that this is possible in ireland i think it's it's it, i couldn't believe it when i first started all of this
0: Really? I didn't realize that, actually. Um, and I suppose now that you kind of like lay it out on the table, we do have a fairly uh, straightforward system. So mm-hmm. go on,
1: Art. <laughs> that we're able to sell direct to customers. I think Joe Fitzmaurice, in your other podcast as well, was telling us how he, he with other people, tried to save that the direct selling mm-hmm. and the farmer's market selling. So that is fantastic that we're able to do this, because, again, it's so important to be close to your customers for feedback for you know questions for to to gear the product the way they want it and so all all, all of these kind of things are so enjoyable as well mm.
5: well it's important to that's not just in bread actually yeah and obviously you hear horror stories about regulating bodies and you know hse's and, and ehos and stuff but the reality is their directive is is not to shut you down but to get you there yes so
1: local enterprise office and the, the HSE inspector, and they've all been amazing support.
5: Yeah, yeah and the, the, the standard quality of food in the community um, would be impacted so much if that approach was changed from get you there to shut you down, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there are problems, and people need to fight against it all the time, and it's certainly not perfect, and there are certain areas where there is a particular EHO office that might have, a you know, a harder hand being taken but across the board as a standard I really do think that people are encouraged to make food at home and sell it to the to the public it's not difficult you know
2: mm-hmm. you That's just have t-
5: to you t- just have to learn the system and and do your application and and you need do you know what you need to learn actually you need to learn how to be food safe
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
5: like I just wanted to ask about flour is it a trade secret or like are, are you guys is that like kind of the one thing you keep like locked away in a safe somewhere in the house
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: will we start mm-hmm. with Gráin, Yeah. do you want to tell us about your like have you been using I've been the using the flour? same
2: flour yeah, yeah yeah um I it's it's kind of a, a gripe with me still I'm I'm probably I'm the only person here that's not organic so mm-hmm. um when I first kind of had to source flour in, in larger quantities, I was kind of put off using organic by by a rep. He just said, Oh, it's too fickle, it's too difficult to work with, like for somebody that's inexperienced. So I my my flour is Marriages. It's a really good quality flour. It's it's um, based in the UK. It's imported in by Kels and they they're my my um, go-to for everything, actually. I I get um my rye from the little mill in Kilkenny, you know, the little mill company. So it's grown and milled in Kilkenny. And uh, Cal's shipped that up, up with my uppermost flour. So eventually I will hopefully transition to organic. But for me, there's, there's, a, big, there's a big increase in price. Mm. And I always wanted to keep my loaf a kind of a family friendly. Price for people and and hopefully make it their daily bread as opposed to mm. their weekly day or treat bread. So it was it was a compromise for me to to not go the organic route.
5: Who wants to take it there, Laura? Would you like to?
3: Yeah, um, I use um Shipton Mill, um, I've been using that really since the start. Um, I did a couple of courses with um Joe Fitzmaurice down in Rye. Um, and that's the, the flower that um, Joe uses. It, it, it's an organic. So I use that for my my strong white and my rye. And I get my whole meal. Uh, I get like grania from from Kells. Okay. Um, but like I, I, I've i tried out another couple of flowers kind of in between. And I always go back to Shipton Mill because it's it's really what I'm most comfortable with. And get the best okay. results. <laughs>
5: okay. Yeah. okay. So since kind of since close to the start. So you've been on the same flower as well.
3: I have, I have, yeah.
5: It's a big, yeah. When you have three ingredients, one of them is water, the other is salt. It's, it's, it's a big move, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Angela?
1: Yes, but like Laura as well, mill is what I mainly use. Um, and I go all organic. Um, that's important to me. And I also, for the Schwarzburg, which is a German kind of traditional bread, I use a um, whole grain that I get from Dunani in Laos. Um, so the nanny mill they uh, supply my rye grain and my wheat grain. Uh, it's organic and grown in Ireland, and I mill it at home, uh, coarsely mill it. And I also at times use um, from Oak Forest Mill. Um, it's Emma Clutterback even delivers the flour to me. Um, she does a, a nice wholemeal spilt, and she does a stone ground strong white flour, um, grown in Ireland. Um, and I use those as well. And um, sometimes it can be challenging and I don't think sometimes I have the experience yet to adjust to like the smaller mills. They, they, they can be different from one season to the other, from one back to another. So um, the Shipton is always a really safe one because it's the same all the time um, while it's really good at the same time. Um, but I, I like the idea of buying more local, but that comes with you You just, I. I just think I need more expertise really to uh, adjust Mm. the baking Mm. to the conditions that flour that batches in.
5: Okay, well, is there anything that we missed, guys? Is there anything we should have covered? Because you're the micro-bakers, not us.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. No? Did you enjoy that? I did. Good.
1: And we all know each other from the WhatsApp group, so I've never actually talked to Gronya as such. So it's lovely to actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. It. Yeah. It's funny, like when
0: you see somebody texting on WhatsApp, you have um like an impression of what that person sounds like or talks like, mm-hmm. and then when you see them on video or in real life, you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always find that anyway. So I hope it's. Pretty Mys- good. Myself and Laura <laughs> met last February in Right, Dry. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. I yeah. yeah, did one of those uh, courses.
0: Yeah. 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 Are, are you constantly doing courses to improve your skill, or like is it, is it just mainly through these WhatsApp? Apps? I constantly feel the need. You <laughs> do what you need uh, to do,
2: courses, but can't fit them in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I would love to get down to Riot right again. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. It's like a fit. weekend away, <laughs> heading off to do one of the courses down in Riot Riot. So yeah. It's, it's real a real treaty thing. Yeah. It's a real yeah. treat. Lovely, mm-hmm. lovely dish. Mm-hmm. And do any of you
0: host your own courses for local people to to learn about? Uh, no, not yet. Not
2: yet. No.
1: Like uh, well bred in Carrigaline, for example, they run courses. Riot so and uh, what's the name? Tom Walsh from the Lighthouse Micro Bakery. Yeah. They yeah, I've courses. done a
0: course with Tom actually, and I I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah. certainly um Joe up and Roy, Roy um, seems to seems to have a great setup. Someday we'll get up there. And it was a pleasure mm. to chat to him on our podcast um, a couple of months ago. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now so, and that's it from this installment of the Neighbor Food Podcast. You have been listening to the voices of Angela of Rise and Shine Bakery, Cork, Laura O'Donovan of Soto Rhineville in Connemara, and Gronia of Gros Aran Wicklow. It certainly has been pretty inspirational listening to their absolute can do attitudes, and hopefully, you got an insight into the world and perhaps even motivation for anybody who is thinking of going down that route of starting a little micro bakery themselves reach out to them if you are thinking of it or real bread ireland and we are going to do a huge list of links of everything we mentioned here in the episode in the show notes thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time